Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Well, as I said, today we're going to talk about helping the families deal with the holidays, and my guests are Rex and Nancy Lyme. Welcome to the show, Rex and Nancy. Thank Thank you you very much. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, I know I had the opportunity last year of hearing you speak a little bit about Ryan's Place, Mm -hmm. and I wondered if you could uh, tell our audience about how it got founded and about your son Ryan and, uh, and what you're doing now. Sure. We'll kind of take turns doing this. Uh, our son died in an auto accident, as you said, and we had a second son who was 17 at the time, and there was just really no place that we could go to get help for this young man. And as we went through counseling, because of the type of death that Ryan uh, went through, um, the counselor said after a few sessions that Damon just was not talking to him, but he probably would talk to other uh, teenagers. And as it happened... Um, one of his classmates at school had a father who died in a very, very strange accident, and the two of them were able to talk and to to share with each other when no one else at school really cared or was much interested. And so we know that that teenagers talking to teenagers uh, does help. We founded Ryan's Place then a few years later when the counselor that we'd gone to uh, had gone to a conference in Washington, D.C., and met two people from Ellie's Place, which is a grief center in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And they were very interested in in sharing information. And so Nancy and the Don and Eunice Munn uh, went and visited. And as a result of that, we formed a a committee to kind of look to see if there was a need in this area. And from there, we uh, established a board of directors. And after 18 months of planning, we opened Ryan's Place in uh, January of 2002. And how many people do you serve and families? And We have been up to 140 people uh, mm-hmm. at one evening. Uh, in fact, just this last Monday evening, we did something that we had never done before, and that we inver- invited other family members to come. And so we had uh, upwards of 170 people that evening, but that's, that's unusual. We we average probably on a Monday night about 110. Is this every Monday night you get together, or every other Monday night? Every other Monday night. Uh-huh. We've and also started one on two, on uh, Thursday night also now. Ah, and and uh, is that just for teens or for all family members, or it's for children from three to 24, and then parents and or guardians or court appointed people. Right. So now, what are you doing during the holidays, Nancy? What What are you um, have you cooked up for Ryan's place during the holidays? Uh, well, we we had this get together last um, Monday night with our regular meeting time, and uh, we had a carry-in dinner, and uh, Santa came and gave out Beanie Babies to <laughs> all of the children. Because we had um, a lady in the community who died, and she had been a big Beanie Baby collector. And she was um, very supportive of Ryan's Place, and so she gave all of those at her death, gave all of those to Ryan's Place. And so we've been giving those out uh, because we find that children 
will talk um, more openly, mm-hmm. and and stuffed animals are very important to them, and so. They all got a beanie baby. Well, what a lovely, significant thing, and what a wonderful thing to do in her memory. Yeah. That's great. Uh, what are some of the things that you see with your families during the holidays, and what are their needs? Uh, I I am a facilitator for the parents who've had a child die. And um, some of the things that you mentioned at the beginning of the show were were very important. I think one of the things that parents especially is how do we memorialize our child without making them like they were something angelic? Um, So we talk about how to face those holidays and what they can do to make them a little easier for their family. And and since we deal with the family, um, I try to help the parents give them some ideas of how they can incorporate all of their children into this um, holiday celebration. So some of the things that we deal with is like uh, maybe at Christmas dinner have a rose on the table that is in memory of the child or the person who died. Yes, and and nothing really needs to be said, does it? No, it doesn't. You can just have it there. And relatives, when you have people in, they tend not to talk about uh, especially in our case, of that deceased child. Especially during the holidays because yeah. they don't want to make other people sad, right? Right, <laughs> as if we aren't already sad. Right. But, um, yeah, so just the rose on the table. Um, sometimes people like I have a special candle on the table. Mm-hmm. And your point of making sure they take care of themselves uh, is very important. Now, what would you think about, do families ever visit the grave or any uh, yeah, do things yeah. like that? Uh, because do. it seems like if you have a special time, it kind of, um, you don't have to spread it out through the whole day. No. It, it seems, I, I don't know, people tell me, and I felt that way, there's a, a little a, kind of a satisfaction in having acknowledged it. Yeah. In fact, we, we know one family who has a, uh, a tradition of visiting the grave site early on Christmas morning, and then they go on with the day. But they've honored their loved one, and, and even the grandchildren have, have learned to accept the fact that they go, that's one of the things they do on Christmas Day is visit their aunt's uh, grave, and then they talk about her, and, and it releases them for the day. And mm-hmm. it's been a really good experience. You know, it's interesting because I work with the 9-11 firemen families in New York City, and one of the most powerful things that we've been able to do with those families is give them permission to have some family fun time. Oh, yes. And, you know, that's one, that's one of the things that people after a death, they think they're disrespecting their loved one by enjoying themselves. And I think part of the healing process has to be you have to get on with your life. It's not going to be the same. But you also have to think of yourself, and and part of the healthy part of you is being able to laugh again, and it's not showing disrespect to the loved one. Mm-hmm. And and enjoying uh, that holiday. If mm-hmm. something comes up funny for you, if you remember mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. Um, you know, give yourself the opportunity and the, the gift this Christmas to um, have some time. And we want to give you permission to do it, because mm-hmm. sometimes people need permission, don't they? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's uh, part of what you do at Ryan's place is give permi- people permission to go on with life. We, we also, one of the things we do is encourage families to, 
to write a note to their loved one and then do a balloon launch. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not quite as effective in the wintertime because um, helium doesn't quite operate the same in, in cold weather as it does in warm weather. But that has been very healing to, to families, mm-hmm. uh, that they can, they can do this. And, and it gets people to the cemetery uh, as well. Yeah, I was also thinking when I was a little girl, we used to write what we wanted for Christmas and put it on tissue paper, and then we would let it go up the chimney with the fire draft. Mm-hmm. Okay. And something like that might be kind of fun for, for little children yeah. to write something about their loved one and, and uh, kind of send it up to the and universe. One of the projects we do with our families, and, and we've done this several times, is we cut like paper dolls out of the family members, and then... We, we glue them together or uh, put them together, and then the person who has died is made out of transparency film, but is also connected so that that person is still there in the family group. We just can't see that person now. Oh, that's sweet, and that could even be a Christmas uh, mm-hmm. ornament, you know, something on the tree or exactly. around the house. Mm-hmm. Um, very mm-hmm. sweet, sweet thing to do with families. Well, what about uh, blended families or divorced families? Do you see issues of that during the holidays? We, we do have two or three families that uh, are coming to us that they're, they have remarried after the death. And it's interesting how in, I think, almost every case, the new spouse um, has been extremely supportive of what the children are going through. Now, I'm sure that doesn't happen in every case, but the ones that are coming to Ryan's place, we, we just find the, the new uh, parent has been extremely supportive of what the children's needs are. And uh, th- that's been rewarding for us because, because it allows the remaining spouse to still go ahead and grieve maybe the death of, of the husband or the wife, but the new husband is supportive and encouraging of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's important. That's great. I, I was also thinking about um, I've had some experience with uh, situations where the parents are divorced and it was a child that died. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that is kind of a sticky wicket during the holidays because you've got the children um, whose sibling died and their their dads at one place and their mothers another. So mm-hmm. trying to give them uh, support through that is an interesting proposition, and yeah. and getting the families together and having them talk. So the holidays can be a healing time for us, or it can be a disruptive time for families who have, uh, are bereaved. Have you seen that? Yes, um, and we we also have um, the situation where the parents were divorced and one of the parents is killed. Mm-hmm. And so the other parent is bringing those children. Uh, the parent is not grieving the loss of the, uh, of the oh, yes. other person, but the children are. And so that becomes another issue um of how that parent can continue to help those children heal. Mm-hmm. When, when and and not, what suggestions would you have during the holidays for that parent who, where it's not their, wasn't I, their spouse, but they have their stepchildren, right? Yes. Um, I, I think t- if you can be the open person to listen to your children, uh, listening is a real important uh, f- facet of grieving. And if they can, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not something that they like to do, but if that parent can bring up the topic of, you know, what do you remember about your mom? Mm-hmm. 
And even though there was a divorce, it probably wasn't a real happy situation. Uh, if that if that surviving parent can be open and listen and you know let his all of his um, anger go uh, to focus on those children mm-hmm. and and, and maybe talk about past holidays or what they find yeah. mm-hmm. find uh, I, th- I think I think uh, yeah and fun what time they would like the to do time. this Christmas exactly how would they like to have it the same how would they like to see it different yes mm-hmm. yeah and in many families. The opportunity to do things different is presented at Ryan's place because you don't need to have the same family dinner that you had in past mm-hmm. years. You don't have to put up the same ornaments or celebrate in the same way. It doesn't mean that you aren't celebrating. It's just that it may be uncomfortable to do it the same way. And so we encourage parents to, to try new things or do different things mm-hmm. and establish new traditions. However, don't you find that the first year, sometimes it's best to slug through it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough that first, Very first hard. Christmas. Um, I know going out and shopping was hard. One of the things I suggest to, to my parent group is maybe this is the year to give gift certificates or oh, that's if you're nice going to go, go with a list because making decisions is, is just so difficult. Mm-hmm. So go with a list or shop through the catalog. Um, sometimes people want to do things in their own home because when you go out to stores, there's all this Christmas music. Mm-hmm. And there are some songs like, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Oh, yes. That's a real tough one for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so music, you know, you're out shopping and you can be blindsided. And then here you find yourself standing in the aisle crying which is okay. We need to let them know that that these things are. It's okay to cry in the line or in the aisle. So, mm-hmm. if they can, maybe it's just easier to give gift certificates or money or yes. know, something this year rather than having to pick out gifts. Yeah, and I think it's also important during the first year or two for and and you know on beyond that depending, but the first year or two. Family members and friends and everybody need to know that you may have to get up and leave the table right. or you may have to walk out of the room and, right. and you need permission to be able to do that yeah. or if if you can't just do it. Absolutely. You need to tell people and people should be aware. And it, the one most wonderful thing, if you had a hostess who came up to you and said, you know what, if leave, please leave any time. Yeah. You, know? yeah. yeah. you need to be compassionate, with, with the, especially with newly bereaved families because you don't know what's going to strike when. It might be... It might be an aftershave lotion that just triggers, you know, tears, or, or it might be the back of uh, a cousin's head or something. And so you need to ha- they need to give you permission to, to handle that grief how you need to. Exactly. And it may be somebody might put stuffing on your plate or something. Yeah. And suddenly yeah. you leap up. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know? we, we laugh about the first year that Ryan had died, and... We bought our second son, I think, everything he had said he liked during the year. I mean, we just were crazy. And we got up we got up on Christmas morning, and we both looked at each other and said, you know, this is one of the dumbest things we've ever done. <laughs> uh, we're not going to do that again. And as we went down to celebrate Christmas, we just said to our son, uh, Damon, we, we will never do this again. This is really dumb. And, and he just laughed and said, it's okay to spoil me. You know? <laughs> and he he was... He had the right perspective, but we we just had gone overboard because 
we just felt we needed to. And you want to take in. It's a time when you want to take in, you want to get more. In fact, I think some people get in trouble probably spending too much money that first year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we try to make up for the loss of his brother. I mean, Mm -hmm. we try to fill a void that's not fillable. Absolutely. And uh, joining us on this segment is going to be Dwight Greaser, who is the president of the Board of Ryan's Place. Did I say your name right, Dwight? That is correct, Gloria. Oh, great. Um, Anyway, when we uh, had a break, we were talking about families during the holidays and how uh, tough the first year is and how sometimes you have to slug along with that year. And uh, Ryan's Place is a place that helps families get along with the holidays and all during the year, and they deal with all types of loss. Am I correct, Rex? Yes, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, also, um, you have an Amish, a large Amish segment there. Yes, we're probably the only center in the United States that has uh, a large Amish, Amish segment that comes to us. And we also have two Amish facilitators, and I'm sure that we're the only center in the United States that, that has uh, Amish facilitators. Very interesting. And the Amish are very family-oriented. Oh, extremely, extremely family-oriented. So, so interesting. Well, Dwight, uh, welcome to the show. Did sure. you have a thought or a um, question for Nancy and um, or myself and Rex? Or Well, I, I just have a couple of, of, of ideas. I think one of the things that, and you mentioned about the Amish families, one of the misnomers is that because of their cultural and religious background, you would have a tendency to think that God takes care of things for them. Mm-hmm. And while that can seem to be what that community or that culture expects, it doesn't, it doesn't always happen that way. And that right. would be true for other families and communities as well. That's a, Let me uh, follow up on that point a little bit. I think it's a wonderful point during the holidays. Mm-hmm. That um, grieving families, uh, need, you know, sometimes they are a little out of sorts with God. That's right. And uh, during the holidays, this can be probably a difficult thing. Would have you noticed that, Rex? Yes. Um, in, in fact, we, we I joke about the fact that that after Ryan's death, I, I said I was mad at Ryan, I was mad at God, I was mad at my minister. You know, and the list went on. And um, so my counselor, in in his wisdom, said. You know, we can't handle that all at once. Why don't we just take one at a time? And, you know, just by him saying that, it just kind of broke that whole anger thing. Uh-huh. And and so um, I, I think sometimes we need permission that it's okay to be angry at God. Right, God can take it. Yes, he's, he's got broad <laughs> shoulders, and, and he's used to that. And But just giving permission is sometimes all it takes to kind of get over that hump that we have. Absolutely. Well, Dwight, did you have I, another thought? Well, I think to add to that, and, and here's where, where Ryan's place comes in. Here's where the community uh, in a center like this can help families uh, be in touch with each other so that even though, as Rex mentioned, you know, you could be mad at God or, or um, you know, God doesn't seem to be real close to us now, it is that touch with other human beings who have had that same experience that, in, in my estimation, uh, pulls or gives us the kind of success we've had here in the Michiana area because those families have touched other families. Now, and, and they can share yeah. that idea that, yeah, I'm not real close, or maybe God hasn't been that close to me because of this death. But as they talk with each other, they get help, the human help from each other. Right, and, and, and uh, Dwight, wouldn't you say that that's God's help? 
when it we is. help that's one that's another. That's so exactly right. as they say, God works in mysterious ways or whatever. That's right. That's right. Uh, those helping hands we give to each other. My my husband always says that he thinks that people uh, at Compassionate Friends and people who work in this area mm-hmm. are angels. That I, I would uh, I would agree with that. Yes, I would agree with that. Well, listen, uh, Dwight, thank yeah. you very much for being sure. on our show, sure. and uh, good luck with Ryan's Place. It sounds like a wonderful um, wonderful thing and outreach you're doing for the community, yeah. and uh, people uh, like you are wonderful to have that are willing to work at the bereaved, and I know you've had some bereavement in your own life, sure. as we all do, and uh, keep up the good work, and thanks for yeah. being on the show. If, if I can add one more thing. Okay. Uh-huh. In, a, in a comment that uh, Brian Greasy, the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, made to our gala a year, our last February, was that grief is a community responsibility. It uh, isn't solo. Uh, to me, it, it's a great statement. And if communities can begin to to observe that, then the whole community holds or heals. It's not just the family. Well, Thank one of the things that I, I want to talk about is how somebody would go about doing a Ryan's Place kind of thing, and uh, okay. and uh, maybe uh, we'll we'll find out ways to get in touch with your community, and, sure. and you can outreach to people too, because it sounds like you'd be willing to do that. Sure, thanks very much, Gloria. Other communities. Thanks sure, so much thanks. for being on the mm-hmm. show, and thanks for the good work you're doing. Sure, mm-hmm. bye. Well, it sounds like you've got a, a good, strong uh, president of your board. We have a good, strong board. They That's they have just taken this issue on, and they work very, very hard in the community. When we uh, when Dwight came on the show, we were talking a little bit about that first year and, and the first couple of years. How long do people stay in your program, would you say? Uh, they stay from about nine months to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some that stayed longer. Uh, we had one family that stayed ended up staying a little over two years because as they were ready to phase out, then there was another death. And they ended up having three very close deaths um, in that period of time. So it de- kind of depends on what is happening in their life. Mm-hmm. But but the average length is from 9 to 18 months. So you're really seeing him in that, those first years of the holidays. Yes. You get involved in that a lot, don't you? I mean, yes. as the holidays come up, you have people who are are newly bereaved. In yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you find them... Um, coming more during that time for support or calling each other or well the the attendance is really pretty regular uh it's it's amazing um because i think that they find strength in being with each other and we find that especially true in the uh single parent group um because you know the issues such as dating come up again you know after Mm -hmm. a year or so after the death you know they may be ready to date but Who's going to date a woman who has three children or five children? Right. And so those issues come up and are and are discussed at great length in in those sessions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do you see people going on to say compassionate friends from your group, or do you think people um, look for support beyond that, or is it probably is very depends on the individual? But compassionate friends, of course, is for people who've had children die. So right. do, do you think that? Um, there's a longer grieving process for that. Do you see people going on? You know, one of the things that we we're, we were concerned about with Ryan's Place, and, and I'm sure every center in the United States like ours has the same concern, is especially open-ended programs like ours, is it becomes a social gathering. Uh, some, sometimes the children are ready to phase out, but the adults who are coming 
have found a social support group that they've not had in the community. And this this is a whole different set of uh, problems for us. Oh. Hmm. So so do you recommend that people go on to, say, Compassionate Friends if they've had a child die? Uh, yes. We, we think that we are simply one organization in the community that can help. And so we do have uh, a couple of people who have used the Compassionate Friends and then they come to Ryan's place or vice versa. And then you might recommend to widows to go somewhere else, and yes, you know uh-huh. there there, there are, are a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of the um, the first early intervention. Is that how you see yourself? And then people moving on to other resources? Uh, not necessarily, because we I mean we like that, but we also find that uh, some people have gone to other groups and then found us. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that um, and and with. With Nancy being the editor of the Compassionate Friends newsletter in this area, she she incorporates a lot of Ryan's Place Act uh, information, and so we're you know doubly blessed that we can get uh, information to two or three different groups at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so you cover really all losses that we have in our lives. Yeah, well, no, just death. Uh, just death. Just death. Okay. Right. So you don't do any divorce. It's a totally. No. They no. have to have had it, but it can be of any family member. Yes, aunt, uncle. It mm-hmm. can even be the next-door neighbor who was a significant person in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A classmate. We have a number of children coming to us that have a classmate die, and they're not handling it real well. Mm-hmm. And so a school counselor will say, you know, I think you could go to Ryan's place. And, and so you get your your referrals are really through school counselors. And if we had somebody in the audience uh, that was looking for some uh, somebody to help a family member during this holiday season, mm-hmm. how would you suggest that they go about finding somebody in their community? Well, one of the best sources right now would be going to the Dougie Center website, and that's out of Portland, Oregon. And how do you spell that? D-O-U-G-Y. Okay. The Dougie Center, D-O-U-G-Y Center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. .org. And I believe it's .org. Mm-hmm. And they give a listing in every state of organizations like ours. And so, you know, if you were in in Florida, and you would just go down and hit the Florida button, and it would list all the the centers similar to Ryan's place. Well, that's great. And uh, so, someone could go on and do that if they're feeling very uh, stressed during the holidays and see if something's going on in their community. Exactly. Also, uh, sometimes if um, a local hospital will have something right, available, right. group and, and some too. hospice programs do too. But many times the hospice programs are like uh, four weeks or six weeks, and it's not that's not really long enough to work through a grief uh, situation. Right. What would you say to somebody who feels like they need some support during the holidays? Don't hesitate to get it. Yeah, reach out. Reach out. You know, at the funeral home, people say, now you just let me know what you need. <laughs> right. Well, the grieving person isn't going to do that. Uh, yes, I and remember my pediatrician went through the line, or a partner of my pediatrician went through the line at the funeral home, and he mm-hmm. said, call me when you're ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you if there was anything that you felt that we missed and um, anything you'd like to talk about. Well, we we found out that after the death of our son, there just weren't any centers around. And and as we looked about, we we knew that there was a great need for it. But we discovered in, in Indiana there were only three centers, and so we're only the fourth center in the state of Indiana. Mm. We know that there are only about 180 centers throughout the United States. So there is a great need for centers like this to be established. Uh, we just 
Pond at the Dougie Center in Portland, Oregon, is probably, well, it is the oldest center in the United States for grieving children and, and dealing with the families. And they do an excellent training job every summer. Um, and so we went out and, and were trained for six days in, in uh, 2001. And we laugh about the fact that it was probably six of the most stressful days we'd ever <laughs> spent. And we were retired educators. Uh huh. Now, now, how did how did they they choose you? Can any of our audience go and decide to do this? Do you yeah. have to have special requirements? Or no, I don't believe so. Um, it's it's a fairly expensive training process, but worth every cent because when you return to your home community, you have all of the information that you need to really establish a center. All you'd have to do is come back and. Uh, you know, get a good board of directors established to assist you. Now, uh, so you can, do they send you information? Do you have materials? Do they yes. support you their, and their follow training, up? Their training materials are outstanding. And then they also publish quite a number of materials that, that we continue to buy uh, because they're so good and they, and they work so well with children. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's worth, you know, getting involved with the Dougie Center. Now, how, then, how do you recruit people to do this this training? I mean, to you know, group leaders and things. Mm-hmm. We haven't had much trouble. We have um, we handpicked, of course, the first ten people we trained, and uh, and in fact, the next group we trained were pretty handpicked too. Now we let people know uh, in the community that we're looking for facilitators. We ask for at least a year's commitment. They have to have a police check, and they have to want to help children mm-hmm. and families. That's, I think that's the key. And we train them on how to be more effective listeners and how to work with grieving children. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a wonderful gift, uh, thinking of gift in the holidays, what a wonderful gift to give the world. And uh, also, I think that one of the things that I found with healing and service is such a wonderful thing for healing your own grief after a certain point. You certainly wouldn't suggest somebody open a Dougie Center or a, a Center Ryan's place a no. year after their son child we, died. Or we like to have our facilitators go two years before uh, after they've experienced a, a significant loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they've worked through it a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy, I know that you are the um, editor for the Compassionate Friends newsletter in your area, and I wondered if you could talk to our audience a little bit about what if they wanted to start a Compassionate Friends group. Uh, I contacted the national office, and, and you have to be two years out of your grief uh, on uh before you can start a Compassionate Friends chapter. But I contacted the national office, and that's the national office at CompassionateFriends.org, and they sent a notebook of information that gave you step-by-step instructions on how to start your own um, chapter of the Compassionate Friends. And I found that extremely helpful and if you need help, all you have to do is call the national office and they just walk you through. Um, mm-hmm. And the main thing is you had to find three other people to help you uh, start this chapter. And I that was no problem because I had um, three friends and my husband uh, were willing to help me. We were driving about 40 miles to the closest <laughs> Compassionate Friends chapter and in cold, icy, snowy weather, it was just too far. 
mm-hmm. so that's when we decided to start a chapter here locally. Yeah, that's a, a great thing to do now. If you want to do a Ryan Center, it would be, or, you know, using the Dougie Center model, it would right. be for everyone, for the whole family. And then if you did a Compassionate Friends, it might be for um, just for bereaved uh Children, right. you know, just for bereaved parents, parents siblings, and grandparents, yeah. and siblings. Now we've got it. We have we have some adult siblings coming to our compassionate friends, but we don't have we don't have anything for younger children. Mm-hmm. And so um, some chapters have things for younger children, but we don't. The National Conference is a great place to come with younger children and teenagers. It's fabulous. The National Conference is really wonderful. It'll be in Detroit this year. I believe it starts on the 16th of July. It's it's a great place to come with your family. Lots of wonderful healing activities. Well, I think it's great that they say you need to be out of grief for two years, and somebody might say to me, "Why? what's the two-year thing? What I want to say is the first year, your first Christmas, your first holiday is really, really tough. The second one is tough, but it's like, uh, in fact, in some ways it's almost harder because it's like, is this it? And the third year you're saying, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. So that wouldn't you kind of say year. that's the way it goes? Yes, I thought that second year was worse than it's the first. It's very hard, very hard. The reality and has set in that they yes. are not coming back. Ex- ex- yes, absolutely. And that's one. I think the second Christmas, if you if you're into that right now, is really one you need to take care of yourself. And and I don't think you have to do even at your own home or or whatever. No. You can go to a relative's. The first year you might want to stay home. Who's got the energy, you know, to do anything else? But the second year, you may need to get out. Yes, yes. And, so, and when a relative offers to have the family in, let them do it. Absolutely. You don't have to be... Um, and buy buy the pies right, that you take absolutely. over. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's it's more important to have you in intact than it is to have, you know, homemade food. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, before we end our show, I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could you give them your email Certainly. Or whatever. Uh-huh. I'll give them my own personal email, and that's nrglime, G-L-E-I-M, at A-O-L dot com. Okay, great. And and if you um, can't get a hold of them, you can also get a hold of me at my uh, website, healingthegrievingheart.org, and uh, talk to them about doing Orion's Place or ask them questions. Uh, about your family or teenagers or whatever. And we hope that you all have a wonderful holiday and that you take care of yourselves. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Rex and Nancy. It's been great to have you on and have you tell us about Ryan's Place. And have a wonderful Christmas yourself. Thank Thank you. You you too. too. And thank you for all the great work you do with those families and uh, blessings to all of them for Christmas too. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.